0: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church and to our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians. Ours is a community created by all who walk through our doors. Whoever you are, whatever you bring, wherever you are on your journey of life, you belong here because you are here, and because in this place... And in these moments, we bid one another welcome. In this sacred space, we are creating time to reflect on our lives. We're making time to be with our God and with all that we hold to be divine. As a Unitarian Church, we honour each person's right to find their own truth in life. And we have no fixed creed that all must hold to. But what we do know is that our individual search for truth and meaning can be enriched by gathering in community with others. For together we can live a faith in action, allowing the values that we hold dear to shape our living. Faith truly in action. Says here, on this order of service sheet, dealing with dragons and other tyrants. And um, in the world of myth, of course, dragons can sometimes be very wise, helpful beings for humanity. And sometimes they're tyrants and bullies. It's the latter that we have in this story of a huge dragon in China, who went from village to village, killing the cattle, the dogs, the chickens, and indeed the children, indiscriminately. Not even bothering to eat them, but killing them almost for the fun of it. And so it was that those villagers called upon a wizard to help them in their distress. And the wizard said, alas, I cannot slay the dragon myself. For magician though I am, I'm too afraid. But I'll find you the man who will. And with that, the wizard transformed himself into a dragon and took up position on a bridge so everyone who did not know it was the wizard was afraid to pass. And then one day, a traveller came upon that bridge and calmly climbed over the dragon and walked on. The wizard promptly what he had to do, transformed himself back into a wizard-like shape once more and called to the man, come back here my friend, I've been standing here for weeks waiting for you. For he'd found the man brave enough to deal with a dragon. And of course it's not just dragons in the mythical world who uh, cause trouble. You may know the story of the fierce and demanding lion who killed many other animals just again for the fun of it and eventually the other animals in despair got together and decided it might be better if just one of them volunteered each day to be the lion's supper rather than all being killed in that way so it was that old rabbit volunteered to be the first day's meal and he arrived very late that evening and the lion was furious You're to be my supper. What's kept you, old rabbit? I'm so sorry, said the rabbit, and explained that he'd been delayed by a lion, even fiercer than you, sir. I only just escaped from his terribly fierce claws to come and be your supper. Now, that lion was a vain creature as well as a tyrant, and he couldn't bear the thought that there was a lion fiercer than himself. So, of course, he insisted that the rabbit lead him to that lion so he could sort out who was the fiercest. And so Old Rabbit said, follow me, and led the lion to an old well deep in the forest. And he said that the lion should look into the well to see the other lion. The foolish lion saw his own reflection. So fierce was it that he roared at it to no avail. The other lion roared back. And so it was that the vain lion scrambled into that well to attack the other fierce lion and fell, it is said, to his death in the waters below. And those two animal tyrants lead me to tell you just very briefly of Nicholas Ceaușescu, for 30 years or so, ruler of the communist state of Romania. Like many tyrants, his hold on reality became increasingly limited. Towards the end of his reign, when his people were starving because of his policies, specially fattened cows were transported to the farms he visited so that he could be photographed with chubby cows. He's known for his infamous ban on contraception and abortion because he thought Romania needed large families. He's also known for his policy of moving people from the villages to industrial towns. Indeed, the rebellion that finally brought his terrible rule to an end was sparked because of his latest plan to bulldoze 13,000 villages, many of them Hungarian in ethnicity. So with these thoughts of tyrants in our minds, and with the thought too of Malala, the young woman that you mentioned earlier, Margaret, from Pakistan, shot in the head on the orders of a Taliban warlord who has said that she will be targeted again for her championing of girls' education. And yet as we turn now to a time of prayer and reflection... I ask you to open your hearts and minds and to pray for all tyrants in our world and all those who believe that they are right and others are wrong. All those who think it is acceptable to use power and violence to enforce their chosen way. Let us pray that tyrants might wake up to another reality and that whatever in them has led to such violence might be healed and so find new ways of being that do not harm others. And let us pray for all those whose lives are so blighted by tyrants Or would we not pray that all might know the freedoms we oft times take for granted. And let us pray to understand the tyrannical parts of ourselves. The parts of us that want to bully ourselves or others. That feel we must get our own way. Parts of us that fall under periodic illusions that we think we know the best. And in a moment of shared silence now, let us think our own thoughts, pray our own prayers. May all our thoughts and prayers find their way to those most in need, now and always. Amen. I want very briefly now, um, if you look at your order of service sheet, it says readings about the Gellert family. And in trying to bring to life for you the story of Unitarianism in Transylvania I thought it might help to actually focus on, on one family um, and I've chosen Judith Gellert who has written this book about her father Imri who was a, a Romanian Transylvanian minister under the Ceausescu regime and um, it's an extremely sad story as often is the case in communist regimes churches were allowed to continue but they were suppressed in many many different sometimes subtle and sometimes very overt ways Um, Imri was imprisoned as a political prisoner Uh, his wife was forced to divorce him and his two little girls were forced to what was called disavow him, to actually speak against him, and that was the only way that Judith and her sister could actually get their education under the uh, Ceausescu regime. Imri, in prison, was actually told by a prison guard that his wife had killed his two daughters and then committed suicide, um, and that this was a way that they had of trying to break his spirit I don't know if we would say that they did break his spirit in the end he took his own life when when told that he was about to be imprisoned again he was in some ways a broken man but actually he was 60 years old and throughout his adult life he did work as a Romanian Transylvanian Unitarian minister, he kept his faith alive and very bravely when the uh, regime were actually burning books as they did and confiscating property to sell for their own, uh, to swell their own coffers, he very bravely hid large numbers of documents from the seminary in Koleshwar. And, um, and because of that, some of, the, some of the background papers of 400 years of Unitarianism in that land have been preserved. I'm really just going to read one piece of Imri's writing about his view of of theology, if you like, his, his discourse about God and the universe. The universe, he wrote, and humanity within it, constitutes an indivisible, universal and organic whole. Having basically the same elements and structures everywhere, The universe is homogeneous with the same substance and laws found throughout. Why is the universe unified and indivisible? Well that question may be answered in theological language because its creator and preserver God is also one and indivisible in essence and in function. God is a unity because only the world itself is a unity. If God's being was even minimally divided, nature would also immediately divide, losing its characteristic unity and relative identity. However, from both logical and experiential (coughs) viewpoints, this is a transparent absurdity. God is one because the world is one, and vice versa. God is indivisible because the world is also indivisible, and vice versa. This is not merely an analogy, but a result of logical and empirical evidence. Just some of Imri Gellert's extensive writings, um, and I highly recommend him to you. His daughter, Judith, studied the violin and was uh, keen on the works of Bella Bartok that we heard at the beginning of this service. Thank you to Jenny. And um, she then uh, went on to be a medical doctor, a neuroscientist, and has in the last um, 15 years trained to be a Unitarian minister under the Romanian church. A very interesting woman and worth knowing more about the Gellert family. Um, It was my uh, grandson Zach's ninth birthday this week. And for his birthday treat, he took some friends to see a new cartoon film called Hotel Transylvania. It's a jokey horror film apparently with added romance and I don't recommend it to any of you (laughs) looking around not a film for people with more mature film tastes but, but it amused me that his birthday film and my address today both had Transylvania in the title um, of course Transylvania as a name has been well known in popular culture since Bram Stoker used it as the setting for his story of Count Dracula and Bram Stoker's story was um, very loosely based on a real-life 15th-century ruler called Vlad III, whose father, funnily enough, Vlad II, was a member of the Order of the Dragon, or Drac in Romanian. Um, The Order of the Dragon was a group set up to protect Christianity from the invading Ottomans of Turkey, Vlad Third, some of you may know, um, gained a truly hideous and entirely deserved reputation as Vlad the Impaler for his method of slowly killing his enemies. But just for the record, Bram Stoker made an entirely fictional link between the Vlad Dracul family, who already have a bad enough reputation, and the many ancient legends about vampires. And as for Transylvania, well, it really exists, as we can attest. I don't know uh, if anybody else has been there ever. Is it just the three of us, four of us? Four of us have been to to, uh, Transylvania. Its name means beyond or through the woods. And although at times in its history it has been an independent kingdom nestled within the Carpathian Mountains, it's also been part of Hungary and the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and since the First World War it's belonged to Romania. That's probably all the history you need to know, because what I want to focus on in this address is another matter entirely, a matter of faith. And yet the more I've learnt about Unitarians living in Transylvania, the more I've realized how faith is so very affected by one's history. It's probably not possible ever to disentangle them for any of us. And to this day, on most Transylvanian Unitarian church walls, there is a picture of an event that took place way back in 1568, known as the Diet of Torda. What could have happened back in 1568 that these people would still want to honour today? Literally, it's in almost every church, that picture. And if I told you that it was the agreement to an edict that established religious tolerance, well, you might not be that impressed, I suspect, in these pluralist days of multiculturalism that we live in. Tolerance isn't such a big deal, is it? But then, in 1568... And the edict only covered four Christian churches, the Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, Lutherans, and a newly emerging group, later to become known as the Unitarians. Here here are the words. This is from uh, King John Sigismund of Transylvania. His Majesty reaffirms that in every place... The preachers shall preach and explain the gospel, each according to his understanding of it, and if the congregation likes it, well, if not, no one shall compel them, for their souls would not be satisfied. But they shall be permitted to keep a teacher whose teaching they approve. No one shall abuse the teachers on account of their religion, nor allow any to be imprisoned or removed from his post on account of his teachings for faith is the gift of god this is radical if we were looking at this picture of the dart of torda on those unitarian church walls today there would be a figure standing in the center with his arm lifted in a prophetic manner seemingly glowing with an inner light and his name in hungarian was david ferenc anglicized as francis david uh, so we're going to read some of his words. Well, in fact, Anthony, who's forever getting sort of cast in a prophetic manner, is going to come and be. But you can read along, too. It's number 566 in the back of this book. There are many readings here. 566. Let's all find it, first of all. Uh, let's just check this. Okay. At the top of 566, we've got the essential teaching to take away from today, from Hungarian Unitarianism, God is one.
1: In this world, there have always been many opinions about faith and salvation. You need not think alike to love alike. There must be knowledge in faith also. Sanctified reason is the lantern of faith. Religious reform can never be all at once, but gradually, step by step. If they offer something better, I will gladly learn. The most important spiritual function is conscience, the source of all spiritual joy and happiness. Conscience will not be quieted by anything less than truth and justice. We must accept God's truth in this lifetime. Salvation must be accomplished here on earth. God is indivisible. Ej os Iten. God is one. Thank you. Ej os Isten. God is one.
0: That's your three words of Hungarian for today. So powerful was David Ferenk's faith and teaching that he managed to convert the king, King Sigismund, the only Unitarian ruler ever here on earth and want to remember, not just the king but all his court and large numbers of the population around there to so this new faith. And David Ferenc had come to a Unitarian position as so many others were later to do around the world by careful biblical study that convinced him that God was one and that Jesus was human. Born a Catholic, Ferenc had already moved to a Lutheran view before developing further. He was a religious innovator and sadly it was for this that he died. Now we like to think of Unitarianism having a golden age under King Sigismund, yet these were volatile times. Within a few years, the king had died, very young, I think he was about 30, after an accident. And in the fear-filled times that followed, new laws were made that forbade religious innovation. And David Ferenc was forever to be an innovator in matters religious. He was sadly prisoned and he died in jail in 1579. On the walls of his prison cell in uh, the Fortress of Diva, he wrote, neither the swords of popes nor the cross nor the image of death, nothing will stop the march of truth. And I'd like to think that that is true for humanity and that is how it all began in Transylvania. I think it's a story we should know and be proud of, for it's one of the foundation stones of our own faith, though in truth there were few links directly between Transylvanian and English Unitarian thought. Yet the impulse was similar to that which led to the development of Unitarianism here in this land. It's that desire to seek truth an intense scholarly approach to the Bible, and an early commitment to tolerance of other faiths. Okay, I don't know how long you've got, all of you. Um, If we were to sit here for the rest of the day, I might just begin to cover the remarkably complex history that followed the death of David Ferenc and start to explain how come the small and to be much beleaguered Unitarian Church has survived to the present day in Transylvania. Um, now, given that we plan to have a cup of tea and a chat at 12 o'clock and then a singing lesson, just a few, few thoughts to help fill some gaps. Um, I've been to Transylvania twice now. Um, it's part of modern-day Romania. I'm really fortunate to have witnessed many improvements in that country as a whole since Romania joined the European Union in 2007. One of the country's striking remaining features is that racial groups are very distinctive there. And in Transylvania, the Hungarian minority still speak Hungarian as their first language rather than Romanian. And it's a small but proud minority of the Hungarian speakers who have retained that Unitarian faith that started all those years back under King Sigismund and David Ferenc. There are about 80,000 Unitarians in that area, members of some 200 congregations And only this year have the Unitarian communities in neighbouring Hungary and Romania decided to join once more into one church body. And it's a sign of far more open times that the government of either country would not prevent them from doing this. Have a look at the symbol on the front of the order of service sheet here. This is the symbol of the Hungarian Unitarians. And um, it has the dove. It has the, uh, the snake there in the circle, and it has the um, crown of King Sigismund there at the top. David Ferenc, uh wrote, um, Behold, he, he regarded that Jesus' most important teaching was Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves, um, from Matthew's Gospel. And that peace dove encircled by a snake of eternity is the symbol of Transylvanian Unitarians. It's a symbol focusing on how to deal with enemies wisely, cleverly, peacefully. And I think as we look back at the history of Transylvania and the Unitarians there, they really do deserve praise for carrying this method through and and for their enduring faith. I was in Transylvania a fortnight ago for a women's conference and it was a proud day when their equivalent of the Women's League held their annual celebration. It was in the local Palace of Culture in the town of Targumurish. Uh, Over 600 Hungarian Unitarian women, some in traditional dress, ages both young and old and all in between, and all of it proudly filmed for television. And their faith is what we might describe as free Christian, Unitarianism, upholding the oneness of God, valuing the teachings of Jesus beyond all others, and regarding the spirit as working within all of us, committed to good works, a a life of faith in action. These are a people who we heard earlier on had their faith sorely threatened under communism and indeed throughout most of history. And yet they held onto their identity with fervour and determination. Here are some words spoken shortly after the fall of the Ceausescu regime by a Hungarian Unitarian in 1989. My life has been hard, but not impossible because I have my family, I know the history of my people, I have my church, I have my faith. We know that when a society collapses, as this one has, civilization lives on among those whose bonds of faith and language are still strong. Ceausescu knew this, she said, and he made war on our faith, war on our language and war on our history. But we have proved stronger than him and his wars. So, perhaps the challenge for us is to find our own simplicity and strength of faith here today in Britain, where we're faced not so much by repression of tyrants, but by a turning away from the spiritual realm to the material, and by an indifference. And yet, I look around here today, and I know I'm not alone in having my life strengthened and deepened by being part of this community of faith So perhaps we're not so very different from our Hungarian-speaking sisters and brothers at all. Amen. Our closing blessing is from a Transylvanian prayer. Where there is faith, there is love. Where there is love, there is peace. Where there is peace, there is blessing. Where there is blessing, (coughs) there is God. Where God is, there is all we need. So, in the week ahead, may you truly have all that you need. Amen. Go well and blessed be.